Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to take a bite out of the competition? Are you looking for ideas to make your business better? Welcome to the Core Business Show with Tim G.K. Sponsored by Apple Capital Group. At the core of every successful business, you'll find people making a difference. And with each episode of The Core Business Show, we talk with those people, examine those ideas, and explore the strategies that make them special. Now, the host of The Core Business Show, Tim Jacquet. Good afternoon and welcome to another episode of The Core Business Show. I'm Tim Jacquet, your host. Today, we're going to talk about uh, talk to a book author, Peggy Burdick, as she's going to talk about it's never about the money, even when it is. So if you want to share it in the conversation, go ahead and dial 347-324-3460, 347-324-3460, or you can go ahead and post your question in the chat room and we'll read it on the air. Peggy, welcome to the show. Oh, Tim, thank you so much for having me. Great. I guess to... to uh, our, uh, listening artists love to hear stories about people versus reading the bio. So, if you mind, take take this time to tell us about yourself and how you got started. Well, uh, like a lot of other people that write self help books, um, they experience something and that becomes they become like an expert on that. That's what happened to me about six years ago. Is that my life totally imploded? Everything that I had, everything that was a structure, everything I could predict in my life started to fall apart. I had been living all of my life in denial about money. And it came right full face right to me six years ago, and I could not get out of the way, and I couldn't pretend anymore things were going to be okay. Um, so it was that, that turning point that I was able to seek the help from friends that I trusted, their judgment, and started to really learn about myself and in that journey, I was able to get some perspective. It took me about a year to look back and realize, you know what, if I could do this, and I did not have a Ph.D., and I did, didn't have my master's, but if I could do it, anybody could do it. This was not brain surgery. This is like really manageable, I can get a grip on it kind of stuff. And um, so it helped me then define a business for myself, because I'd had many businesses, um, some were successful, more successful than others, but um, to find a business that really reflected my core values and really defined my worthiness, that's the key piece. And from that, I was able to start a coaching practice in Los Angeles, helping mostly women separate their emotions from their money. Um, and that coaching practice, the structure of it, as I formed it little by little, then became the basis of the book. So when you look at the book today, the 20 topics that we talk about is basically what goes on in the sessions when I have private clients. Wow. When you came up with the title, how did you come up with this title? It just came to you or? Well, well, no. I mean, I, I frankly, I hired somebody because one of the problems <laughs> I've had, and maybe, maybe it's a problem common with entrepreneurs, is they're too close to something. My original title, uh, some people liked, some people didn't like, and it was very frustrating because I didn't, I just couldn't get it. And the title is the key. If you don't have a good title, you can't go anywhere. So my ego is not invested in the book. Um, I went ahead and I hired someone who was very sharp 
and she basically looked at all my notes, and bang, she came out with a title. And it turns out to be a great, people are very responsive to it. It's about, it's really about a contradiction. You know, people think that if they won a lottery, their life is then going to be better. It's like, not, no, it doesn't work that way. Because if you're, you know, broke and your life is a mess and suddenly you get a million dollars, guess what? Three years later, you're bankrupt. Your so, life is still in the mess. Yeah, you, know, you, have a, you have a Cadillac, which would be my, you're living in your Cadillac on the street. So getting people to see that it's not what it appears to be all the time. You could have serious debt, okay, but but getting rid of the debt doesn't mean you've solved your problem. If you've made, paid your debts up, but they'll be back a couple of years later. Wow. What is it with money that um, that people have so many issues with? Well, what is money? You, money is, let's let's first look at that. You've got money that's tactile, right? It's a coin, it's a piece of paper. You mm-hmm. have money as a, as a symbol of power. It's also a statement of worthiness to some people. Okay, so if you, I don't know if you had a chance to look all through the book, but there's a wagon wheel. I start off the very first chapter with a wagon wheel, and I get people to look at the wagon wheel and the spokes on the wagon wheel represent different elements in your life, whether it's going to be your family, whether it's going to be your job, your body, your finances, your spirituality, it doesn't matter. But they all tie together with the hub. Now, if the hub is cracked, as you can see in that illustration, it's like, whoa, mm-hmm. the wheel is going to wobble. Well, that means your life is out of sync. Okay? So if someone doesn't have, it's about self-esteem, if someone doesn't have a strong sense of worthiness, one of the areas that they might choose, which is what I did, uh, was money. Some people pick weight. Some people drink. Some people are heavy-duty antidepressant takers. Some people work too much. Some people can't form real intimacy with their children. So there's a lot of overt and subtle ways this gets played out in someone's life. So the money is everything in your life is emotional. So to think it's just relegated, relegated to those things is a misconception. You are, what, 50% emotional. Thank wow. goodness. Well, if you look, I'm looking at the wagon wheel. You have uh, your yeah. partner, career, pets, finances, spiritual. You have children, fun, health, friends, and siblings. Mm-hmm. And then in the middle of it, you have the crack in between right. and the center. So what is the heart? What is the center? Is that you that you're fragmented? The center well, exactly. Your self-esteem is detached. Who you are authentically and who you've learned to become to survive, that's the premise of my book. It, it, basically, you live your life on two tracks. So instead of being, being authentic and everything that you say and everything that you do is consistent, it's quite the opposite. How many people do you know that what they're saying and how they really feel are very unrelated? Mm-hmm. Because they learn this skill of, of of survival when they're very very young. I mean, really, even before they're six months old, they've learned this. And as as Darwinian as this sounds, survival of the fittest, it is about surviving emotionally and psychologically. That's as important as surviving physically. So very early on, you develop these two tracks, as I call them. But, you know, you're not five years old anymore. You're 45 years old, and yet you're still acting as if you're five. You still feel as if you're five. And that is the whole premise of healing, 
and that's the whole premise of becoming whole, is to take those two pieces of who you are and really address it once and for all, put real language to it. That's how you heal, and that's how the wheel becomes smooth. Wow. So when is a good time to kind of tell your child, hey, uh, to teach them about money? I remember as a kid growing up, I grew up in this kind of a small area. Even it was a huge city, but the part of the city uh, was like a small town. And everybody knew each other on the block. Everybody came from a farming community. Of course, they lived through the Depression, and you have that mentality. Uh, they held on every single nickel. They didn't need to go to the grocery store about once a month just to buy odds and ends or something they just wanted to just splurge on. We only had one grocery store and one little uh, food market, maybe stuff they can't grow in their backyard like watermelon uh, watermelon or something like that or some kind of melon. But they grew everything in their yards in the back. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, the, they can things, they deep freeze. <laughs> you know, we're talking about squirrels. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> they, they, <laughs> yeah, they had everything packed away because when that uh, when the market crash or whatever happens in, in the economy, they don't have to worry about it. They're going to eat. And each neighbor shared their abundance with the other neighbor, so you had a whole circus going on. Hey, you grow the tomatoes and and the uh, oh, limes, right. and <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it was a neat yeah, yeah, yeah. cycle. Yeah. And even down to hunting and fishing, they all shared. Why, you know, wow. in a sense today, we don't have that anymore. Well, you don't have a sense of community anymore. You people living on blocks and they don't know each other. They don't. They're not connected. Honestly, I mean, I, this is a gross statement, but they're not connected to themselves. They're not connected to their children. They sure as heck are not connected to their neighbors. If they need to borrow something, I'm not sure that even happens anymore. But your question was, how do you teach your children about money? Mm-hmm. You see, it's, it's not about the money. Yes, you should be teaching them little things. They get paid for certain things, not for others. But it's more about building their self-esteem. If you if you celebrate a child's individuality and stop trying to get them to be like you because it makes you uncomfortable if they're not, if you build those blocks for them and they end up growing up and, they, and they're, they're confident and they have a strong sense of self and a strong sense of uh, uh, self-esteem, they're not going to get pregnant early. They're not going to be broke. They're not going to be taking jobs that uh, are beneath them, so to speak. They're going to feel entitled to be who they are. And that's what people, that's what children should be about. We should be more accountable and responsible for the way we communicate with our children. And we're not. But that's that's what parents need to focus on. It's not so much that you got, you know, 25 cents because you you know, did the dishes or something. It's not so much that. So, you see, it's much more, it's much more deep and much more emotional. Wow. You know, we run through stories of uh, people who have made a lot of money in the, uh, in the past. Look at Larry uh-huh. King in particular. You know, he struggles. He said he can't match, he cannot ever balance his checkbook. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, it, you know, yeah, some people have that mentality. Musicians, that make a lot of money. And they might not necessarily spend, I think they're spending for, in a sense, of a person to take care of a certain thing. Hey, because I don't feel like cooking, so I'm going to buy something and have it sent over. Uh-huh. Uh, those uh-huh. things will get you in trouble. But what's, what is it with the emotions? Some people understand it, some people don't. 
Well, some people, yeah, but you see, here's, here's the falseness is that, um, for example, I had a, a, a client who was very successful, a very successful architect in New York. I mean, we're talking about a multi million dollar practice he built and, and continues to have it. But he spent most of his life pushing away, and there's a big gender difference here because men are, men are allowed, women are allowed more emotions than men. So he, was, he pushed his emotions away his entire life. But now it's caught up with him. You can only do that for so long. And now he's on antidepressants, and now he's in therapy three times a week, and he's a wreck. But meanwhile, he looks at all the things he's built in, in New York City, and he doesn't feel connected to it. And that's a very sad statement. So what people need to do is they really need to build self-awareness. They need to heal and they need to be able to give themselves permission for how they feel. Not necessarily that they have to go out and you know, get a baseball bat and, and hit somebody if they're angry, but they first have to acknowledge how they feel. So when we talk about people being detached from their money and, and someone can't balance their checkbook, yeah, because they made a lot of money. There are a lot of people managing their money. But Larry King's also been married seven times. So the problem, his detachment with his money, also happens to show up in other areas in his life. So that's why it gets a little goofy, because we don't think that Larry King has money problems. No, but he's got other problems. So that's what we have to address, going back to the wagon wheel. Because his life is, is out of sync as someone who's in bankruptcy. Wow. That's amazing. We're going to take a break real quick, and we'll be back in uh, one moment. Uh to talk more about your book is never about okay. the money. Okay, we'll take right. a break real quick. We'll be back in a moment. Okay. You're listening to The Core Business Show, sponsored by Apple Capital Group. Apple Capital Group in Jacksonville, Florida, is a commercial lender that specializes in asset-based loans, equipment leasing and financing, invoice financing, commercial real estate loans, and asset-based financing in the U.S. and Canada. Apple Capital Group is a direct lender that lends on their private equity investment portfolio. 90% of most loans are decided within two hours and vendor funding within 24 hours after documents are completed with a one-page application. No slow no's, just a quick decision and a fast yes. To get more information about lending from Apple Capital Group, call 866-611-7457. That's 866-611-7457 to speak with one of our loan specialists. Or visit us right now at applecapitalgroup.com. Welcome back to The Core. Once again, here's Tim Jacquet. Okay, we're back with the author of "Is Never About the Money, Even When It Is. I've got five questions real quick. Uh, one okay. is, why paying off all your debts is a bad idea? Oh, I love this one. Here, here's, here's what, I mean, what is debt, right? So people can say, oh, you know, I, I spent more than I took in. Okay. But why do people have debt? It's like, why do people have weight? Because in part, it defines who they are. And when you read stories, as I said earlier, about people winning the lottery, they're bankrupt later on. When I was a mortgage broker, one of the things that uh, when I first started out, the company I was working with, their attitude was when you refinance someone's house, make sure you scoop up all of their debt, wrap it into this package, and we'll pay off all those debts and they can be nice and clean. But meanwhile, of course, it affected their monthly payment and their interest rate. Okay, no problem. And it was like, wait a second. <laughs> this person this person has no debt 
as of like uh, three days from now, and then, but their spending habits and their mentality has not changed. And don't you know that a couple of years later, they were back in debt. And why do people have yo-yo debt? It's because they never healed it to begin with. So I say to people, what you should do is pay off a percentage of the debt. Maybe pay off 75% of it or 80% of it because you need to hold on to the balance of it for your identity as you're going through the process of healing. So people scratch their head and they go, oh, that's, like, that's kind of a novel idea. But you have to really look at what the debt represents to them emotionally. Hmm. You can't snap your fingers and heal. Healing is a very slow process. It's like it's like a little cat step every single day. A cat step is about a cat's paws at the size of, let's say, a dime or a nickel. That's mm-hmm. all you can If you have that movement every single day, you will be successful. If you wow. leapfrog and try, to, or try to walk, you know, it's 36 inches midday, guess what? You're going to crash because emotionally you haven't caught up to that piece. And that's what this is about. Your emotions have to be current and they have to be handled in a certain fashion so that it's consistent with your action and that you feel in control. Everything in life is about love and control. How to get it, who has it, who needs it. You okay. don't get control because right now your five-year-old's got control. Wow. So how your behavior about money is affecting your emotions? Well, but that's the whole point is that you're overspending because let's say, you know, you're having a bad day or let's say you're angry, let's say you need to be nurtured. So what's the difference between spending something that you shouldn't be buying or eating, you know, a piece of chocolate cake when you've already had two other pieces, right? If you are not grounded in the moment because that's all you have, in that threshold, then, then anything can happen. You've got to get control of yourself first. Then you can make the decision, you know what, I can afford this. You know what, let's not buy it now. Let's put this off a little bit. How can you get yourself to control it? You just have to stop? Yeah, because because I'm hoping that you're going to ask me, but uh, about tools. How do people do all of this? It's about the commitment to gain self-awareness, and one of the tools that I teach people is to identify how they feel in the moment. That's the first thing you've got to do. You've got to sit still, even if it's only for a flash of a second, and take a reading, take your temperature. Go, hey, how do you feel? I'm cranky. Okay. This explains why you're impatient with your employees. This explains why you snapped at somebody. This is why the overtime that one of your guys did you know, made you crazy because you're not in control. But when you ground yourself and be still with the emotions you feel right now, then you can go to the next level. And the next level is to have compassion, to have to basically give yourself permission to have the feelings. Because we haven't quite got to the actions yet, but just have the feelings. That's what was taken away from you as a child. The wow. third step is, okay, what do you then do? I always say to my, to my clients, you've got to make two lists. A list of the things you love and a list of the things you hate. Okay, because the things you love identify you. It doesn't matter what it is. It's things you love without judgment. So in those moments that you're cranky, one of the things when you when you've acknowledged it, like the package, a boundaries there. Say, okay, what would make me? What would make you feel better? 
and say, well, okay, ice cream. Okay, well, I can't get ice. What else? Read my book. Well, I can't do that. Um, doodle. Ah, okay, let's go doodle. So you fight, take things from the list that you can actually use right then and there to feel better. And as you self-nurture, you will be shifting. Your crankiness will diminish, and then you have your control back. Wow. And when you're getting – it does. It makes – it does. You there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. This is a click. So getting control, which is uh, chapter four in your book, you have the boundaries, compassion, commitment, and permission. And in a nutshell, tell us about those particular four topics in your chapter four, getting control. Well, here's the thing. What do I start out with? I start out with boundaries. Mm -hmm. And boundaries, you know, most people don't have boundaries. And that means they're out of control. So especially with parents, you've got to have boundaries with your kids. First of all, the kids are looking for them. And B, it's part of gaining sanity and keeping, keeping control. So it's, like it's, and it's about saying no a lot. And it's about saying no for yourself and yet yes, that you deserve things, you need things without apology, without being defensive. So sometimes let's take, let's take with your kids, this is always this always throws a, a parents for a loop. It's not your responsibility to make your child happy. Parents are like, oh, wait, 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 wait a second. You do not have to entertain your children all the time, nor should they be sitting in front of the television all the time either, by the way. But if you need if you're with your kids and you need some time to yourself because you think you're jumping out of your skin, you need to say to your kids, kids, time out, time out, stop. You know. I'm busy thinking about something for, you know, 20 minutes or half an hour. Let's set the timer. I'm very big on using timers. Let's set the watch. Leave me alone, nice and quiet. Go read your books, whatever. Leave me alone for 30 minutes. That's setting a boundary for you, okay? Kids will copy everything you do, good or bad. So when they see you setting boundaries, they start to learn that language and they start to learn that tool. I mean, they'll still bug you, but you've got to be firm with the boundaries, it's survival. That's how I always that's how I always describe boundaries. Compassion is another thing. Being able to accept yourself as a flawed person is huge. Being able to forgive yourself for something goofy that you've done or stupid that you've done. We all do that. It's just part of being human. But to be able to say, oh, God, what an idiot I was and I hurt someone's feelings, whatever, okay. Just acknowledge it. Because it's going to happen again. It happens with other people. But again, it's about coming back to your center. Commitment. Commitment is huge. Keeping your commitments to yourself is the hardest thing that people do. So you have someone who's very disciplined and they think, oh, I go to the gym every day and I do this, I drink water, I do all these other things. But when I pick out the things they struggle with, I say to them, okay, this is your homework assignment. You have to floss your teeth every night. You've got to journal every morning. You've got to get up a half hour early. I find the things that they are resistant about because that's where your self-sabotage sits and waits very patiently. It's every mm-hmm. country that my thing with exercise. So uh, when I made a commitment, of course, you know, paying for a gym is easy. Showing up every day, uh-uh, not so easy. I made an easy commitment three times a week. Okay, 
the first time, the first time it's like, oh, it's raining and I, I can't go now. I say, ah, no, 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 come on, you got to put put on your sneakers and you have to say to your inner five year old, come here, come here, come get on my shoulder, tell me why you don't want to go to the gym, and what are you doing in that moment, Tim? You are giving your inner five year old your patience and your presence. What you didn't get as a little boy, what I didn't get as a little girl. Mm-hmm. You're not abandoning her for him now. Now you're saying, come closer, get on my shoulder, at least put our sneakers on. I'm going to listen to you the entire time. That's all kids want. They want your attention. So you take your little child with you on your shoulder, and what happens? You go to the gym, and all of a sudden you're thinking about something else, and she's, she's off doing whatever, because all she wanted was your attention. Wow. When you build... When you build the respect, self-respect comes from keeping your self-commitment, okay? So when you look at the last chapter of the book, right, the ultimate goal, you know, how do all these things relate to each other? You can't get, I'm sorry, let me give you the chapter on getting control. The map on that page we're looking at, it's about keeping self-commitments because that feeds into self-respect, Self-respect feeds into self-trust, and self-trust feeds into self-love. In order, that's, the, that's the journey of healing. If you cannot keep your self-commitments, you've just lost respect for yourself. Wow. Now do you see why it's a cat paw a day? It's a very slow process. The last thing I talk about in Chapter 4 is permission. The funny thing about permission is that the way to get control is to let go. Mm -hmm. It doesn't get contradiction, but in fact, that's exactly what happens. Because you have to acknowledge that you don't have control over anything except yourself. So when you go, so again, when you go back to being centered, you realize it's hard enough to keep yourself current. Why in the world would you try to control everybody else? Let them go do their thing. Again, that's a boundary. It doesn't belong to you. What belongs to you is what you can do. You can be accountable. You can be responsible. You can do so many things for yourself. You can't get someone else to do it. You see how wow. we all interrelate with each other? Absolutely. And the the closing chapter you, you have, uh, again, to get control of the situation... Uh, kind of give us in a nutshell uh, you just have some people just on the edge they can't get it together uh, should they go to a, a professional to try to get it together well that's, that's people, when people are spinning out of control that's when they're buying these self help books they go into therapy they call me You know, that's when people have movement because they get scared right? because they feel powerless so that is the time for them to be reaching out. But they also, what makes it hard is that when you are in a panic and you try to evaluate something because you've got to rely on your instincts, your instincts may be you know, out to lunch. They're busy someplace else. So the power that you need to evaluate whether this is the right therapist for you, you need to just, again, give, your permission, give yourself permission to calm down. You are entitled to ask certain questions. When I was a mortgage broker, I wrote a book 
And in part of the book, I had a chapter called um, The Bill of Rights for Borrowers. And they're like, what? This is what you're entitled to know. Because if you read the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, then wow, it tells you everything. I did the same thing for finance. And I'd say to people, you need to ask the mortgage broker where his commission is, where the discounts are, where are the rebates. You need to know that. Not so that you take it away from him. You just want to see the value of what you're paying for something. Okay? It's the same thing when you go to a therapist. I truly believe that you need to ask the therapist what their game plan is. They've got to have a plan. And I know this is going to irk a lot of people because it always does. But my attitude is when you go sit with a therapist or a coach or somebody who's going to help you, they are responsible for shining the light on in the room. You're going to follow them on this journey. Well, they better know the path or else they're going to figure it out also. No, you're paying them. They're accountable to you like an employee. I've spoken to people in therapy, you know, six years, 10 years, 15 years, and they mm-hmm. still feel miserable. It's like, well, what, what's the plan? Oh, I don't know the plan. You know, you can't really ask them. They don't know they're very organic, whatever, and I go bollocks. They've got to have a plan. And that's what happened oh, wow. to me because I had been in therapy on and off for many years, and my last therapist who I met in, I guess about 23 years ago, um, my first conversation with her, she said to me, I don't need you to do this. I want you to. I don't need you to. Two years. You do your work. You work hard. You get in. You get out. That's all you should be doing. I'm like, whoa. She was real clear about that. And just about almost two years, a little before two years, I went to her and I said, you don't think I'm done? And she said, yeah. I think you're done too. You know, let's ramp down and be gone. So uh, getting help is critical, but knowing what to ask and knowing what's going to feel good to you, you have to be able to identify or else you're hiring someone and you're clueless. And and, that, and it adds to your sense of anxiety because you're not getting control. They have control, and that's not the way it works. They should have well, control I, to start. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You should have control. They should have control in the beginning. They should mm-hmm. teach you how to get control. It's like it's like riding a stagecoach. I'm on the left, you're on the right. I've got the reins. I give you the right rein. So now you're holding one of the reins with me. And when you're ready for both reins, I'm going to give you the last rein. That's the way it should be. I pass the tools of power and control from myself to you. Wow. Last uh, question I have regarding money problems uh, in a marriage can actually save a marriage. How in the world that can happen? Can I <laughs> share that? <laughs> I love that. I love that. Here's the key is that what you've heard me say this entire time, it's about control. And it's also about trust, which we haven't really talked about. And trust, in part, is about intimacy. So here's your partner for life. That's why you got married. You didn't get married to get divorced. And um, no one talks about money because it's uh, a big taboo. But when you have these issues with your partner, it gives you the opportunity to sit once and for all and talk about something you never wanted to talk about. And you're going to hear some amazing things, and you're going to share some amazing things, and you're going to be extraordinarily uncomfortable. But then again, so is your partner. You're kind of getting into the hot tub together, the blank canvas. 
and everyone doesn't want to do this because they're afraid they'll get divorced. Well, it also could make you stronger. The intimacy, and it's not, and I'm not just talking about sex, but intimacy with with your partner or with your children or with anybody is based upon truth and based upon being real. And you've got to get there. If you, if you live a life of authenticity, you only live with the truth. And if you've got money issues and you don't talk about it, it's going to come out in other areas. That's not good in a marriage. You need to be connected so that 50 years later you say, yeah, we're still married and we're still happy and we're still in love. You can make that work. Wow. But you've got to get the foundation right. Perfect. What what do you like to leave us with uh, regarding your book, and how can we get your book and also contact you? Uh, okay, my book is on Amazon, and it's never okay. about the money. It is okay, easy to easy to find it. Um, for myself, uh, people can email me. What I do, Tim, is I give everybody some time. So okay. If you buy my book or not, I absolutely will give them a half hour, an hour of my time. Because just like what you said, is that people are, you know, people need help. They're scrambling, and who can they reach out to? They can absolutely get in touch with me at Peggy P E G I at the financialwhisperer.com, and then the subject line, put your show, because I'll know who it is, um, mm-hmm. and then I can you know, make time to go talk to them. Um, and what I want to leave you with is that people, you can heal at any age. You just have to reach out for it. You have to ask for it. Okay? There's nothing that goes on in someone's life that they can't manage and can't solve can't fix everything, but you as a person can be whole, and that's the most important thing. Earlier when I said to you, life is two things. It's love and control. You know, how do you get it? Well, this is how you get it. You get it by building self-awareness. Hmm. You want some, you want some tools? You want, a, you want a, a shovel and a rake more than that, or, or is, that, is that enough? Wow, that was a lot. Um, but again, on your book, you can get that at Amazon, right? Yeah, you can get it at Amazon. It's also okay. in a Kindle version. Um, and they can contact me through my website. That's pretty straightforward. Okay. Um, and, you know, they're not alone. I guess that's the most, one of the most important things for me to say to people is that there are other people out there struggling just as you are, but you've got to pick up the phone. You've got to send an email to somebody and say, you know what? I'm way too isolated. I need to talk to somebody. The isolation will kill you. It absolutely will kill you. And that's why people reach out. That's why people have community. That's why in those days when you were growing up with the canned tomatoes and the hunting and the cucumbers and melons, whatever, you had community. You had someone to talk to. There wasn't so much isolation. Now there is. That's scary. Well, thank you so much for coming on the program and sharing all your knowledge and again, we're going to reach out and get, try to get your book and and go from there. I really appreciate you coming on the program. Oh, Tim, thank you so much for having me. I so enjoyed it. Great. Of course, I'm going to invite you again in the future, so uh, you can hold you know, that I'd to me. I, I love to. Yeah, I love. I have the gift of gab. That's for sure. <laughs> thank you so much, Peggy. <laughs> All right. Take care. Take care. Okay. Bye bye. Again, this has been another production of the Core Business Show. I'm Tim J.K., your host. You can download this episode on iTunes or Block Talk Radio. Everybody have a great day and have a great summer. Take care. 
Thank you for listening to The Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet. For a free quote on equipment leasing and financing, visit our website, applecapitalgroup.com. That's applecapitalgroup.com. And fill out the information to receive your free quote. We hope you'll join us for our next episode. And remember, you can always get to the core via iTunes. You'll find all our previous episodes there. Thanks again for listening to The Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet.